Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Top Tottenham sponsored by NordVPN. There's only one place to start today, and that is the future of Harry Kane with a move to Bayern Munich looking very likely. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, how are you? <laughs> that question hits harder than it normally does today. Um, oh, do you know what? E- even doing this podcast, we were supposed to do this earlier in the week, and we thought, do you know what? I think it's better that we just leave it a couple of days just to see what happens exactly with the Harry Kane situation. So we're recording this on Friday morning and technically anything could still happen. It feels like, you know, Harry Kane is likely to sign for Bayern Munich, which sounds ridiculous. Even saying that sounds ridiculous. Um, There was a whole kind of kerfuffle this morning about him being refused permission to go. And then Spurs came out saying that wasn't true at all. He was given permission to fly. Um, there's been talk about some renegotiation in the deal. So actually, at this point, as we're recording this, we could do a whole hour or so of bemoaning the fact that Harry Kane's going to Bayern Munich. And, and who knows, it could still fall apart. But it's definitely not a soap opera. It's not a soap opera at Tottenham Hotspur. This is all just normal stuff for every football club. Um, yeah, honestly, my emotions are all over the place. I... I'd say I was probably fortunate enough that after the game in Barcelona, um, it was my birthday. So I thought, you know what? I'll stay out in Barcelona with the wife, uh, have a couple of days off, which was lovely. Then all of this happened uh, yesterday. (laughs) And it was like one eye on the phone, one eye trying to enjoy Barcelona. Um, At least kind of wasn't having to chase everything uh, like the pack was, like all the journalists was, and you were off as well. See, this is the thing. People talk about me having days off and things happening. I think if both of us have the day off, that's the true perfect storm. That's when you get something as ridiculous as yesterday. Um, But, I mean, where are you at? I I want to hear your opinion. Before I launch into some kind of rant, where are you at with the whole Harry Kane thing? Uh, Well, I think all summer I've been saying on the pod, I would potentially just keep him for the season because I think you've got a better chance of finishing in the Champions League. Uh, But then, you know, when you weigh it up, this is a player who is out of contract next summer. He's 30 years old. You can get $100 for him now. There's going to be a point, at some point anyway, where you're going to have to, you know, do without him. Harry Kane cannot go on forever. So there's going to be life after him at some point. And yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just the timing of it, really, as well. Just with, what, two days to go to the Brentford games. Not ideal. It's not been an ideal summer for Ange Postacoglu as he's looking to, you know, stamp his mark on the football club. There's just been so much uncertainty. Uh, But I think if you are to sell him, you're probably better selling him 
two days before Brentford rather than two minutes before the transfer deadline at the start of September. And the thing is, for me, when they were saying, yeah, I'd like Kane to stay, your chances of qualifying for the Champions League are better. Well, what happens if he does stay and you don't finish in the Champions League places and he leaves on the free transfer? Then you've lost your main player. (laughs) There's no pot of 100 million there to bring in a replacement. So it's one of these where Daniel Levy's obviously had to weigh it up and I don't think he can win in whatever situation he picks because I'm sure there'll be some Tottenham fans saying right now, yeah, it's the right time to sell him given his contract status and the fact that he could potentially not sign a new deal if he was to remain at the club beyond the summer transfer window. And then obviously there'll be some just questioning what and why on earth uh, Tottenham selling the all-time top scorer. So, yeah, it looks like uh, there's going to be life goes on. Uh, it's just down to Ange Postacoglu now, you know, to uh, do this uh, rebuilding. He's probably the perfect man for the job for it because he's done it at his previous clubs. It's just a shame that it's looking like he's not going to have Harry Kane leading the line for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you know what? Because before I go into... <laughs> the ranty element uh, of the whole Kane thing. I would say that the one shining light from underneath all of this is Ange Postacoglu. Is f- purely because of his experience in this situation. Purely because of the fact that he's so used to rebuilding clubs that have just sold one of their biggest players, if not the biggest player. And I know this is a whole different level, but it's the same idea. It's the same... I mean, that's the key thing as well about his system is that it doesn't revolve around one star player. It's about a team. Um, So, yeah, it's... I'm trying to steer away from the rant that I know is coming, but I think I'm just going to have to veer straight towards it because, look, there are different elements to the whole um, Kane saga. I think, as you say there, I think if this had been something that happened really early in the summer and all parties were kind of a, very clear that it look it's likely to happen i th- i don't want to say it was palatable but i think more people would have understood it um but the way it's come about now like we say the premier league season it begins today doesn't it isn't it the first it match does. Is tonight it does yeah which it's utterly ridiculous and i think it has to be say, said the way bayern have gone about it has been absolutely shambolic as well the entire window you know, the whole circus around it, the whole public aspect of it. Um, I just, I don't think anyone at Bayern has come out with any credit from this window. Obviously, they will they won't care because if Harry Kane joins the Bundesliga, it's the biggest coup. I'm trying to think of other players that have signed for the uh, in, into the Bundesliga and for Bayern. I know they've had some big players over the years. This has got to be the biggest, hasn't it? getting the England captain, a world-class player, currently world-class as well, at the peak of his powers, and getting him across to the Bundesliga. I mean, sorry, I'm not sorry. Well, I am sorry he's going, but it's a massive, massive coup for the Bundesliga. Less so for Harry Kane, for me. I will stand by my kind of whole feeling on this move here. It's so meh. It's so what? I just, again, because I don't want to upset like Bayern fans or anything because you know they're just football fans and they're very excited hopefully about this amazing player they're about to get 
But if I'm Harry Kane, I would not have, I would not have thought, well, just for me, I would not have looked at all of the clubs that would have been available to Harry Kane in six months, a year's time, and thought he would have picked Bayern Munich if he had the choice of everyone. I just think they're a, a terrific club, great fans, big uh, history. But come on, Harry Kane going to the Bundesliga is... He's a kind of, not quite, but almost shutting himself out of the public eye for the bulk of the season. Because the Bundesliga, while a terrific league, is not watched to the level that the Premier League or even the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona are. Um, And it is a league where, yes, Bayern are expected every season to win the league. Yes, there's other teams that are capable of challenging them. But a bit like the French League, you are expected one team is supposed to sweep it all up. So, you know, we've said this a million times. Is winning the Bundesliga and hoovering up the German trophies that Bayern were going to win every season without Harry Kane anyway, is that a huge achievement that's going to sit on Harry Kane's CV like the proudest achievement? It's a bit like Pochettino going to PSG. When he retires, will everyone remember that he won the league on title? I don't really think they will. Look, I think the the one thing that comes out of this, if Harry Kane goes to Bayern and at the end of the season wins the Champions League, I think he would very could, could absolutely say, there you go. Absolutely understand that. And, and to be honest, he could win it the next season. It could all be relevant. But just for me, it's such an odd move for a player at his peak right now. If I was him, I genuinely, and this is, you know, I don't know if Spurs fans won't want to hear this, but... If I was Harry Kane, I'd have stayed the next year and then gone on a free. If Spurs had not uh, made any progress towards winning the kind of things he wants to win. I don't get the Bayern move, move at all. Uh, for all that, I mean, it could be that, I don't know, I assume we'll get a statement at some point from Harry Kane if and when or when this goes through. And he may say something along the lines of, for everything that this club has been to me, I wanted them to get a fee for me rather than me leave on a free. He may go down that line, um, you know, and it could be turned into a positive thing. But from the club's point of view, it is absolutely, it's, it's almost pretty much scandalous that it's managed to get to a situation where Harry Kane felt he had to leave for the Bundesliga because Tottenham Hotspur never truly built a team around him that could match his ambition and dreams. Because let's be honest, Spurs absolutely fluked it that a player like Harry Kane came through their academy. I mean, how many clubs in the world can say they had a player like Harry Kane just emerge from their academy? Um, You know, let's be honest. We've seen the pictures of him in Arsenal shirt. What must Arsenal think when they looked at a player like that who's gone, you don't want to imagine it, but Harry Kane in an Arsenal team, They'd have won the league at a canter some of those years where they were, you know, pretty decent. Um, And obviously last year as well. But it's just, it's ridiculous that Spurs have had so many years of Kane and have not managed to capitalise on that or just create something around him that had a chance. Look, yes, I know there's people that will say they finished uh, second They finished third a couple of years under Pochettino. They got to a Champions League final. And yes, I know there's a narrative of that Harry Kane, maybe in the biggest games, hasn't always come up trumps of Spurs and led them and taken the game by the scruff of the neck. I'm kind of halfway on that. Definitely, we've seen some games where he's been quiet. But I would also say that 
we have this big thing about a team not being a one-man team. And there were those games when everyone around him should have been at a better standard. You know, the Champions League final, yes, if he wasn't sharp going into it, should not of all the other players, the, the Ericsons and all of these all stepped up to the mark as well. Um, and don't forget the goals that have got Spurs into those positions as well. I know the Champions League, obviously, he missed the uh, the couple of games beforehand, but I, I don't really like that narrative. I think it's doing down the amazing stuff that Harry Kane has done for Tottenham. You know, he's the club's all-time top goal scorer. He deserves so much better than what he was served up. Um, so it, it's while I don't understand the move he's making, I can completely understand the frustration that would have boiled up and been pent up over these years. And 2021, especially, let's be honest, that was the summer where we really felt he wanted to go. Man City were there. Um, and you could see the move kind of laid out in, ahead of him. Um, but it's, it's just ridiculous it's got to this point. There's going to be a lot on the, I don't know if you can say owners anymore, because uh, obviously Joe Lewis is no longer the owner, but I think people will have to, will look at Daniel Levy and they'll look at decisions made to get to this point. I do think unless what happens in the next couple of weeks in the transfer window is something absolutely extraordinary and transformative, I think that first home game is going to be very uncomfortable. And I think with the already the ticket price demonstration that's going to take place with the supporters trust, I can imagine that a lot of others are going to attach themselves to that as well. Um, it's going to be, you'd think, very noisy ahead of that game. Um, because, let's be honest, <laughs> how bad is that season? Uh, not the season, the match day ticket price is looking right now. You're about to sell your best player as well. And, you know, I mean, even like today, the away, the new away shirt has crept out on sale. Everyone's been waiting for like a month. This shirt has just not come out. And Spurs have just kind of, unless they do it during this podcast, I'm just checking in case anything has come out. Um, but yeah, we just kind of noticed before we started recording this. Uh, oh yeah, the away shirt's now available to buy because they know they can't even put that out right now because so many people are so angry at the way that this is all gone. I mean, I don't think it probably helped that we had the back and forth of, are we staying? He's not staying. Are we staying? Well, actually, even on the day it was supposed to happen, actually, he's leaning towards it staying after the bid was accepted. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Um, some might say it's what Spurs deserve because of the way that they haven't ever truly built. I think they've, I think they've spent more money than people give them credit for, but they spent money on, I don't want to say rubbish, but certainly players that are in the tiers below what you would need to really challenge. Uh, they've maybe spent it on a lot of players that rather than one, two or three top, top players. And the irony is, you know, they've gone for someone like a Madison this summer. They've gone for a Van de Ven. They've gone for players who maybe they're not in the top, top, top bracket, but they are two players that in any team you would think would make a huge difference. And of course they end up losing Harry Kane. Well, potentially. Um, I've just, so, I think, mostly disappointed for the fans. I think the fans have just been kind of messed around this summer, as they have in most summers. I think we were heading towards what was actually a really good transfer window. And I think Kane going absolutely blows that out of the water. I don't think at this point, if Harry Kane were to leave today or tomorrow, I don't think you can say this has been a good transfer window. I think 
unless you can bring in someone proven to try to replace him, I think everything is going to be a, well, maybe, even like Gift Orban, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Terrific young player. But, I mean, you look at how little time he's actually been playing and how, I mean, the Belgian league, isn't it? Like, is it even half a season a season? It's not long at all. Um, uh, maybe season and a half. That's a big maybe. It's a question mark. We don't even know. I mean, and, you know, Richarlison, who I understand isn't injured and is set to be able to play at the weekend. I mean, I know, you know, you've got posters of him on your wall at home, but <laughs> <laughs> he scored one Premier League goal this season. This is the player who, look, I really hope he comes good and it's just been an adaptation thing. But to replace Harry Kane with one goal a season, a last season player, it's. That's a big ask, but yeah, go on, go on. I'm, I'm actually going off on a rant now, and, and there's plenty of other stuff that we need to talk about. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's disgraceful. It's got to this point, to be honest. I think if it happened two years ago, I'd have been a lot more worried because of obviously Nuno being in charge and the football that Tottenham were playing then because they needed a player like Harry Kane to get them out of trouble time and time again and make sure they were up uh, the league table. But I think, like you were saying at the start of the podcast, they're probably the one shining light from this summer is Ange Postacoglu coming in and the football Tottenham are playing. And even if Kane isn't in the team, I still think Tottenham are going to, you know, do really well in the final third, just going on the amount of chances they've been creating in games, just how they're playing. Uh, I mean, although they lost in Barcelona the other day, I mean, they could have quite easily won that game. They were leading 2-1 against, you know, a very, very strong Barcelona team. Uh, and I think the football we're playing, they just left fans wanting so much more. And I think... Whereas last season it was Kane out in front in terms of the goals with 30 in the league. Richarlison only got one. Kulisewski got two. Sonny might have got, what, about 15 or so last season. I think there's going to be greater spread of the goals this year. So you, it's not like, you know, in previous years or last year it was Kane out in front. I think with the greatest spread of goals, then you might not feel... Uh, Kane's potential exit as much as what might have been the case two years ago. Uh, but it's going to be uh, a huge, huge loss uh, with the play going. But what I would say is, you know, Spurs have coped without, without him in the past when he's been injured. Sonny stepped up. Uh, they got to a Champions League final when he was missing uh, what, one of those quarterfinal games and the semi-final. Are these and, one-off games though, rather than across a whole season? Yeah, I mean, he's been injured at times and he's had lengthy periods out. Mm. But as I was saying, you know, he can't go on forever. So you're going to have to find a way to play without him. I mean, Man United coped all right when Ronaldo left. Spurs progressed oh, yeah. when Bale went. I know the One man is not bigger than a club. Yeah. I think that's the way to always look at it, of course. Exactly. Uh, it's just the move to Bayern is just... I don't really understand it, but I think the fact he's going to Bayern, surely it's just Champions League is his sole focus. That's the trophy he wants because otherwise, why would you go? What does winning the Bundesliga or the German Cup mean to him? Uh, it's just, yeah. That's what he's dreamed of as a child. 
Yeah, quite clearly. <laughs> we'll, we'll find the posters out. on his wall. We'll find out what he says uh, when he does a press conference at Bayern and discusses his uh, move. But yeah, it's obviously going to be a sad day for all Tottenham fans when it goes through. But Ange Postecoglou's in charge. The football's pretty good. You know, I, I think Spurs can do okay this season. Yeah, that's the key. That's... Do you know, that is the thing that I'm clinging to. And people have seen, I put out one kind of annoyed tweet uh, last night, late last night when I landed back from from Barcelona. But I also kind of had a, a second tweet to the little thread that was on the fact that I am gen, genuinely optimistic about Ange Postacoglu and the football that will come. Because even out in Barcelona, I mean, we'll maybe talk very briefly about that game um, a bit later, but you just saw he even took players that maybe aren't going to be first choice in his team. He took players that we're used to seeing play in a certain way and maybe lots of fans moan about, and he turned them into... Essentially, they were playing like Barcelona, some of these players, the way they use the ball. Um, And there's so much, I think, to be excited about the Postacoglu way. And that's, I think, maybe that's why this stings even more, the Kane stuff, is because, like you say, Kane in this system, oh, he would have got so many goals. I'm, I'm going to, I don't know whether to say that or not. I was about to say, I generally think he probably would have scored more under Postacoglu than he will at Bayern Munich this season. But then thinking about the Bundesliga, <laughs> maybe that's not true. Um but it would be close. I'd go as far to say that. I think it would be very close how many goals he'd get in each uh, system. But yeah, I suppose with the Bundesliga at times, it's going to be a little bit like shooting fish in a barrel, really, isn't it? Probably for Harry, for someone of Harry Kane's quality, uh, as it was for, for Haaland. Although you could maybe argue Haaland came to the Premier League and, and probably scored even more in a season, didn't he? Um, yeah, the Postacoglu football is going to be something special. I really feel sorry for Postacoglu. I think the amount of rubbish he's had to put up with in these opening weeks uh, of his job, you know, friendlies called off, uh, friendly matches where the opposition has pulled out, came in and identified that he needed a centre-back, didn't get a centre-back until after all of his friendlies had been played. Um, And obviously this Harry Kane situation just hanging over his head the entire time. You can only presume... That despite what he was saying, Postacoglu, well, it's funny, the way Postacoglu was talking about it, at times he was saying, I'm planning as if Harry's in my team. But then on other occasions, he would always say, yeah, well, I also have contingency plans for every player in case they leave. So clearly there must have been at some point where he started to think, yeah, I think this will probably happen now. I think I have to now start getting my head around it. But But still, it's not been ideal preparation. And I've also noticed, I don't know if other people have noticed this, that Early in his early presses, we were talking about this whole aspect of in most jobs, it takes a little while for his system to bed in, and the early results aren't normally great. And early on, he was like, Oh, I think that's overplayed slightly. It doesn't happen everywhere. But I've noticed in the last two or three, he's actually gone back to that and made a point of saying, People will see that I don't start, you know, the results aren't great to begin with. And it's been like, I get the impression even he's realized it's been such a chaotic mess of a pre-season that even he knows now the players are not going to be fit and sharp enough yet to play what he wants which is not great when you can you know your first two games of Brentford and Man U and there's the heat on now from the Kane stuff 
Um, I just hope that whatever anger fans have towards Harry Kane going, whatever anger they have towards the club's handling of it, whatever anger they have towards the board, the chairman, whatever, I really hope that they don't uh, very quickly abandon hope of Postacoglu because they've got to know that that happens everywhere he goes. It is a, it's a little bit of a process to get his methods across. I would be gutted if we're in a situation where the morale sinks very quickly because the fans don't understand the process that happens with Postacoglu. And if we're talking in October, November about Postacoglu being you know, in potential danger of his job, quite frankly, I just need to shut the doors on the football club because <laughs> that would be so ridiculous. It would just be incredible. It would be, uh, I think, it goes for the club as well. Because if they were to get into that situation themselves, I mean, to be fair, I know a lot of people have said they've already used up a lot of their last chances, but my goodness. I don't think I don't think we could cope. I think the podcast would be about seven hours long um, and it would just be ridiculous. But I'm not even thinking about that right now. I, I genuinely think that if anyone's going to do something with Spurs, and you know we've said it in the past about the irony is that <laughs> they could end up winning like the Carabao Cup or FA Cup this season after Kane's gone. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't sting any less. Um, yeah, it's just just a rubbish situation. And now it's about how they, they rebound from it if it still does go through as expected. I mean, Andrew's only been in the job just over a month in terms of working with his players and look how quickly they've taken on his football philosophy. Look at the type of football they've been playing in the far friendly so far. I mean, the Barcelona game, I mean, there's been a clip doing the rounds on social media of them, you know, yeah. just playing it out from the back and getting and it up players that you wouldn't expect to do that yeah. as well. Yeah, so I think Tottenham fans can look forward to that this season. It's just, it's going to take time, obviously, to fully come off, but I think they're making a really good start so far. And at least if, you know, Kane is going, Ange finally has the clarity uh, because that's what he's been after all summer. Uh but he had a rebuild job to do at Celtic and they cut just fine and the same at the other clubs. So, yeah, it's, as I was saying, it's it's not ideal, but I think Tottenham fans will have confidence in Ange that, you know, brighter days are ahead. So I hope they do. Yeah. With, obviously, Kane now looking very likely to sign uh, a long-term deal with Bayern Munich, how the Spurs replace him, who who do you want them to buy in, then in this transfer window with three weeks or so left? That's it, isn't it? <laughs> That's the key line. <laughs> They're selling him with three weeks. I mean, at least it's not on deadline day. But still, when the season is just getting there to the end, um, sorry, the season's getting there to the end. The transfer window is starting to get towards its end and the season's starting. Um, personally, I just I was trying to think of like the experienced players, the ready for the now players, and I was struggling. I mean, unless you try to get a Vlajevic, but I'd imagine that the competition for that is going to be beyond kind of Spurs capabilities. I mean, there was talk about Chelsea looking at him. There was talk about who was it? it was another big side as well um, that were looking at him as well. So. I don't know. And again, very. this is the problem, isn't it? Is, is immediately you've got to realise that you're not going to get another Harry Kane. 
as soon as you can kind of get that out of your mind, then I guess you think, well, Madison is the um, is one aspect of what Harry Kane brings. He's that half of Harry Kane. But then I guess you've just got to now replace him with a, a prolific striker. Um, and then I saw there was talk coming out of Juventus that Spurs had looked at um, Lukaku. I said, oh, my goodness. I mean, can you imagine Lukaku trying to pre- do the pressing football and all of that that is required of the Postacoglu game? It's like that did send shivers down my spine. Um, yeah, that that didn't work for me whatsoever. Um, so maybe you do look the other way. Like I said earlier, maybe you look at younger players. You look at you give Richarlison a chance, but then you supplement him with a gift, Orban, who is a very, very talented player. And Spurs have looked at him for a while. Data-led, he makes a lot of sense as well. I know, obviously, uh, Brennan Johnson is another one they've looked at as well. Again, both of these players... I mean, Gift Orban is more naturally a centre-forward, but um, Brennan Johnson, you you can play out wide as well. He would get more game time. It wouldn't just be a case of he'd be waiting for his opportunity up front. Um, Or you look at um, Eze as well at Palace. And I know that would be big money, but if you want to make some kind of statement... Again, you don't look to replace Kane directly. You look to make a different kind of Spurs. And Eze is fantastic. I know he's a little bit older than those two. He's about 25. But CAA-based client as well. (laughs) Another one um, that Spurs have got a million of. Maybe you look at someone like him and you're just adding to the quality up front. Maybe someone like Sonny comes into the mix as a central striker as well. Maybe they look at that. Maybe they think, well, actually, he could play a part through the middle uh, and become, you know, this is a guy that was the Premier League uh, Golden Boot winner a couple of seasons ago. Maybe, actually, you could just play him as the the main front man and you just surround him with wingers that will create for him as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know which way they'll go with it, but I know they really like Orban. I know they really like Johnson. I know they like Eze. Um and I think there'll be a few more heading out the door as well that will need replacing. There's a very real possibility at this point, especially with 100 million or so in their pocket, you could see three, four more players coming in in these final weeks, um, especially, let's say, Hoybier goes. And, you know, maybe they look at someone like Conor Gallagher, who they really like, or um, the Shures as well, isn't there? The the centre-back from Torino that we know they really like as well. Again, all these kind of data-led um, transfers they're looking at this summer so the only thing you can take of it is a little bit like and I know this is the often used cliched example but obviously when Coutinho left Liverpool they used a huge amount of money they got and they made the team better I just think it's incredibly sad they couldn't have made the team better with Harry Kane in it yeah uh, I think for me the players I'd probably look at I mean, that Ivan Tony would be a really good player for Tottenham, but obviously he's suspended yeah. at the moment up until January. I think his first game back actually is the Tot- Tottenham-Brentford game at Tottenham Hotspur Are you Stadium. That he'll be wearing a Spurs shirt that day. I'm not, but that would be a nice uh, start for him. Uh, I think Ollie Watkins would be really good, but I think he'd be paying an awful lot of money, and I don't think Villa would be looking to sell him at all these their main strike he's done really well under Unai Emery and everyone's price tag goes up because Spurs have got that money yeah, and they know 100%. it 100% uh, and 
I think someone who'd be a really good up and coming striker uh, for Tottenham, Evan Ferguson at Brighton. I really like Evan. And our predictions the other day, which is now ruined <laughs> because I put Harry Kane as a Premier League top scorer. Um, yes, I put Evan Ferguson as my one to watch this season. He's such a good player. Yeah, I'd give Richie a go at number nine uh, to start with. I think he deserves a chance. I know everyone goes on about, oh, he only scored one Premier League goal last season, two in Champions League. But he's Brazil's number nine. And I, he is. That, this is this a million pound player. Yeah, I think he deserves a go in the team because obviously last season just hampered by injuries. He seems more of a Postacoglu player. Uh, I think he deserves a go, but yeah, Tottenham are obviously going to have to bring someone in. I think if they could get like Ferguson or Tony, that'd be uh, really good. And there's a young Valise as well, not for it now, is. but to develop for the future. Um, so maybe let's say you get Gift Orban in, you've got Valise, you've got Richarlison, suddenly there's three strikers there with Sonny that can also do a job. Again, it all sounds so ridiculous when you compare it to Harry Kane, but actually, if you look at those three with Sonny as a four, maybe there's options there. Yeah, you're never going to get a like-for-like -like replacement for Harry Kane because how many players are on that exact same level? You just, you unfortunately, you're just not. So I wonder with obviously Kane going, does Vellies come into the squad at Brentford? Does Dane Scarlett have an opportunity on the bench? Because there's a, a real lack of frontmen at the moment. Depends on fitness, I suppose, of Valise. But obviously, Scarlett's come in the last couple of games. Um, he scored that lovely goal against Shakhtar. Yeah, very good goal. Yeah. yeah. And against Barcelona, there was a few nice little moments with his hold-up play, even in that kind of few moments he came in late on that one. But it's a big ask, isn't it? It is a big ask throwing players like that in at this stage. Um yeah, yeah, we'll see. I think Richarlison is the obvious one for the now. And then it's about if any opportunities arise for someone, you know, truly, I was going to say top tier. I don't know how many top tier strikers are going to be available out there. But if not, yeah, I think I am leaning towards that. Give Richarlison a shot, but have Gift Orban, Valise and Sonny there as, as your backups and see how that goes till January, really. Yeah. Uh, obviously, with the Brentford game coming up on Sunday, there's a couple of things Tottenham are yet to confirm. Squad numbers. So, the number 10 share is obviously going to become available. James Madison surely gets that. Yeah. Given he's been wearing, what, 71, 72 in pre-season? Yeah, him and Solomon so have been 71, yeah. 72. Right. There's also captain. Because Hugo Lloris was previously captain of the club. Uh, Harry Kane has been wearing the armband in pre-season and whenever Lloris has been missing in the past. So, You know you. my thoughts on this. You know it. You know it. We've discussed this in the, at the Shakhtar game. For me, there's only one person it can be. End on belly. On the belly. Toggy is the captain. <laughs> that would be the greatest renaissance ever. <laughs> Oh, Tongi is captain. Just going, hey, gutted everyone. You thought I was going. Actually, I'm the new captain. Um, uh, it's got to be Sonny. For me, it has to be. It's just a case of uh, he's been there the among the... He's not the old... Probably Ben Davies, technically, is probably the longest serving out of all of them. I mean, you can argue some of like Oliver Skippers because he's been in the academy. Ben Davies was Poch's first signing. 
So I think he would have been there the most, unless I'm forgetting someone. But I think in the scale of the global stage, the recognition, the ability, I think it has to be Sonny. And he is also... I know what you're... He's got, you've got a little smile on your face, which means you're going to suggest someone like Eric Dyer or something, aren't you? No, what I was going to say is I don't think there's that many standout candidates. And your long-serving players, your Ben Davises, your Eric Dyers, are they going to be in the starting 11? Absolutely. I mean, if, yeah, if you're running through not. the starting 11, Vicario, Emerson, Romero, Van der Ven, Udogi, uh midfield... Will it be Basuma, Madison, so. Brilliant against Barcelona, by the way. Yeah. Uh, then in attack, Son, Richarlison, Kulosevsky. There's not many standout candidates there. No. I mean, the one fun. for me who's got probably all the attributes to be the captain is Pierre-Emil Hoybjerg, but is he going to be in the team? Is he even going to be the club come the uh, start of September? Yeah, I just get a feeling with him that Atletico are going to eventually make some kind of proper move for him. Um, and and we see, I guess, what happens with him um, and whether that's a position that they feel they can afford to lose him. It's a difficult one because he's very experienced. But I do think, yeah, I think Sonny, I'd even say if Hoybier remains, I think Sonny still naturally has to become the captain. <clears throat> because also, let, let's not forget, I know it's not like a little prize that you hand out or anything, but Sonny has always been the one that he's there for Spurs. He's sticking around. He's got no intention to leave. There was the talk about that Saudi moves and he's straight away, no, no, not interested kind of thing. I think as a club, you kind of have to reward him for that and you make him the captain. And like I said, he is the South Korea captain. That is taking a lot of weight on your shoulders with that as well. You know, he has a whole nation's kind of, uh, hopes on his shoulders all the time. He, Yes, he's not going to be probably the most vocal captain. He'll be more leading by inspiration, as it were. But that's probably mainly the same with Lloris on the whole, and it's probably the same with Kane on the whole. I don't think he'd be anything. Ledley King was captain of Spurs for years and was definitely a more inspiring than uh, talkative captain. So I think it has to be Sonny. Um, and I think that would be probably quite popular within the dressing room as well. Um, I think there's one to the future. If Oliver Skip continues to develop um, and in a couple of years' time, you know, could potentially be someone that wants to push for that, but it's very early days for him. And like you say, he's not on the moment guaranteed a first-team uh, spot at all. But um, I think it has to be Sonny. I don't think there's anyone else it can really be. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on that. Uh, Sonny on penalties then as well? <laughs> Um, oh, that's an interesting one. Son or Madison? I was going to say, Madison took him for Leicester, didn't he? Yeah, I think he missed one against Everton in oh, May. Well, I'm shocked that you remember that. Um, yeah, that's a tough call. That I think, I mean, Sonny presumably takes him for South Korea. So yeah, He's taken I a think, few for Spurs in the past. Yeah, I think it probably has to fall on Sonny that, again, it's another thing they'll decide between them. You know, we've got Ange Postacoglu's press conference today and, and we're at the stage where we still don't actually know how much he's going to be able to say about Harry Kane, which is absurd. But there's so many questions now. The future is like, who will your captain be? Who will take your penalties? Um, who's going to take free kicks? You know, <laughs> Harry Kane's <laughs> taking so many of them. Fair, um, first one will go in. Madison. Oh, imagine it. Down to Scott, first one. I thought you meant for Bayern. I can imagine him going to Bayern oh, and taking yeah. a free kick and scoring. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think probably Sonny in that one. Um, but yeah, we'll see. There's so many unknowns now at Spurs. Oh my goodness, what a club they really are. Right, as we're now at the halfway stage of the pod, Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? Of course. If you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talks On On podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling, something I've used many, many times over the years, whether it be for work purposes, whether it be for just personal use, if I'm on a holiday and I want to watch some of the shows that I've paid for and subscribed to back home, I can now watch them abroad because I can use NordVPN just to make my device think it. But it's back home in the UK and that kind of gets around these strange uh, kind of blocks that seem to go on stuff as soon as you move country, despite the fact that you're paying for it all back home. Um, and not only that, but the outlay on a NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. That's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So, for example, you could perhaps book flights from another country uh, and that could end up being cheaper as well. So it means that while you're paying out for Nord, you can be saving money overall. And there's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN. So why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right, there's plenty of other stuff uh, in the world of Tottenham Hotspur, what's happened this week uh, to discuss. There was actually uh, a transfer exit on Thursday evening. Well, I think it's pretty much gone you know, extremely under the radar, and that's Joe Roden joining Leeds United on a season-long loan. Good move for Joe? I think so. I think it was one of those where he probably had to accept that there wasn't enough interest Premier League-wise and Leeds very likely could be a Premier League side again uh, in the near future. Obviously, we've seen them with them. In particular, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get a straight back up. But yeah, I think he can uh, he can do fine there. I think it's, it's a good club to kind of rebuild um, where he was. I do feel sorry for him. It's been an utter waste of his time going to Tottenham. Let's be honest, he's chucked away a few years of his career. Um, unfortunate in that he was always kind of seen as the non um, oh it's gone out of my head inter-defender that they were trying to sign that summer Skriniar Skriniar Milan Skriniar that's it he was always seen as the oh they can't get Skriniar let's sign that young lad from the championship kind of thing instead Um, so I've always felt that he's always been seen as a uh, how do I put it as a as a defender they didn't really want at the time, which is unfair on him because I do think he's a really good defender and I think he'll become a Premier League defender. He'll reset now and I'm sure he'll come back strong. Um, obviously, I'm kind of talking about Leeds in the future. We don't know entirely whether he's going to be there after this year. I don't. I haven't heard any talk about an option to buy or anything like that, but you would imagine if he has a good season, his value goes up. I think he'll be in the last year of his contract, won't he? If he, I think it was 2025. Pretty sure right. by the end of uh, this season he'll be in that. So, 
Yeah, it, it's a good move for Joe. I asked uh, Postacoglu about Joe Roden and uh, Tongi Ondimbele, not whether he was going to be captain or not. But I asked him uh, at the side of the pitch after the Barcelona game, and he kind of said about, oh, you know, you can't read that they're not in my plans, but you can know that they're fitness-wise not where the rest of the group is, which I think we've all obviously have these maybe preconceived notions about Tongi, and, and obviously because of what coaches have said in the past about him um sorry my dog just started barking he got very upset when you kind of criticized tongi on the belly um and uh with joe i felt that that seemed quite harsh uh certainly i know that joe roden was one of those players who over the summer was doing a lot of fitness work so i would be surprised if he's behind the rest of the group fitness wise but ultimately um you know, he did also say, but there will be some players who will want to move on. And clearly he meant those two players. Joe's one of those that there were, at least there was some interest. You know, some of the players like, like Jed Spence. Jed Spence, there doesn't, from what I understand, seem to be any real interest in him at all. It certainly wasn't before we started doing this podcast. Um, and I don't know how willing he is to drop back down to the championship like Joe Roden has. And I think... Joe Roden maybe needs to be an example to someone like Jed Spencer. If you're just not going to play, kind of don't just sit there taking the money, I guess. Get out there and try and get play some football and rebuild and get back to where you were. Um, and hopefully that's what Joe does because we've seen it for Wales. We've seen him in tournaments. He's a very good defender. Um, I don't know whether he fits every system in the world, but certainly he can, um, he can be a very strong defender in the right setups. Yeah, I've always just felt a bit sorry for Joe at Tottenham because he's just never really got uh, a good run in the team. But yeah, with no chances coming his way in pre-season, you know, it's pretty clear he's going to be heading for the exit door. And I think it is a good move for him. Uh, Leeds, I, you'd think, should be pushing for promotion anyway. And Daniel Fark, who's the new manager of Leeds, uh, is going to know Joe really well uh, from his time in the Championship. And it's probably a case of taking one step backwards to go two forwards. And I think if you can have a, a strong season in the Championship, then that maybe can, you know, push up his transfer valuation. And the, the more than likely will be clubs looking to sign him uh, come next summer. I agree with you. I think he can make it in the Premier League. I think he mm -hmm. just needs that that run of games and hopefully that will come his way uh, this year. So a couple of other things what have happened this week, uh, and what I totally forgot given all the Harry Kane news, the Carabao Cup round two draw. Yes. Fulham away. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what a tricky tie that is. I mean, you're looking at the teams in the Southern section and with, I think there was maybe six or seven Premier League teams from the South in there. And you're thinking, Good chance of getting the EFL team and then Fulham, who were flying last season under Marco Silva, uh, a game away at Craven Cottage, going to be a really, really uh, tough encounter that. But I think, given no European football, surely Ange Postacoglu goes full strength in that to help Tottenham, you know, try and end that trophy hoodoo. And I don't actually know how Fulham will approach it. And I know Fulham did really, really well last season, but I think they might, struggle a bit this year so on paper at the moment looking like a really tough game I'd still fancy Spurs to get through there it's Spurs so anything can happen <laughs> but yes absolutely looking at that 
draw that was probably one of the sides you didn't want coming up, especially in a regionalized draw. <laughs> the chances of getting, um, you know, one of the bigger teams in the southern section is, yeah, it's well, it's just a classic Tottenham way, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, what what is it? The week in week of the twenty eighth, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's so, a few. It'll be a few days after the Barmouth game, then a couple of days before the away trip to Burnley. Right, oh, a cracking week that is, isn't it? Um, yeah, you'll kind of swiftly realise where Fulham are at, I think, within the first week or two of the, this season, like you say, whether they can drop off, they drop off from how they did last season or whether they're going to improve on it, um, which, let's be honest, is the same with all teams. But, um, yeah, it's it's not one I think any of us want, would have wanted to be picked out of the, the hat. Um, but... I think all eyes are going to be on those competitions this summer for Spurs. I think, as they always should be, let's be honest. But I just just got this funny feeling about Postacoglu that he's going to... <laughs> the, the fates will decide that he'll bring an end to the trophy drought this season in one of those competitions. I think what it also means is Angel has uh, home games. He's got one home game from a possible five. Yeah, four away, isn't it? In the first yeah, five, yeah, Brentford, Bournemouth, Fulham and Burnley away so really tough start but if you know Tottenham can carry on playing his type of football and how they've been playing so far in pre-season then yeah fingers crossed there will be a bit of a positive start we will maybe mo- that's not the worst thing I was just going to say yeah. maybe while he's rebuilding the team maybe for that sounds weird but for less fans to be there seeing it and getting frustrated in the stadium maybe at the result maybe he's able to bring him to them. Here you go, is a more finished version of the product in after the first five games. I don't know. Yeah, right. Uh, we'll move on to a game of football, which was played on Tuesday, and that was Tottenham's pre-season friendly against Barcelona at the Olympic Stadium. Spurs obviously got off to a bit of a nightmare start with Robert Lewandowski scoring after three minutes. Oliver Skip managed to get a double uh the first half and then it was just three goals in the last nine minutes Uh, Barcelona just capitalising on tired legs at the back for Tottenham and yeah they won that was it Joan Gamba trophy it was called yeah Joan Gamba yeah so you were there thoughts on the game then I mean once again plenty of positives to take yeah, it's again, it's a, it's a weird scenario. We we're talking about defeat, but actually thinking it's probably more positive than a lot of Spurs matches have been in the last, you know, months and years. Um, it's, yeah, it was weird. The first opening minutes, honestly, I thought, oh my goodness, this could be a landslide. And it was instantly, you have all of those thoughts of, oh no, this is the problem with the Postacoglu system. If you get in behind it, can you constantly you know, rip it apart if you can get around the back and all that sort of stuff. But actually, fair play to Spurs and the system itself, it wasn't that easy. I think there was one more chance that was it Rafinha put over the crossbar. Yes, yeah. Soon after. Maybe if that had gone in, maybe that would have been slightly different. But as it were, I thought, I thought Spurs, it sounds ridiculous in a friendly, but did show quite a lot of character because although it was a friendly, the uh, having sat there, the it was quite an occasion because... It was the, I think it was the first game away from the Camp Nou as a home game for Barcelona. It was the first time any football match had been played in that stadium for, I think it was 14 years, someone told me, something like that, 14, 16 years. Um, 
it's a funny stadium in that it's clearly a former Olympic stadium and it, it's there for athletics and you've got the big athletics track running around it. So some of the, the biggest, noisiest part of the fans were, were a long way from the pitch. But there was a sense of an occasion to it. Um, and yeah, when Lewandowski's volleying in a lovely finish, uh, albeit from some iffy Spurs defending before that, you kind of expect the worst. But what happened next was actually really um, heartening, I think, in terms of players taking on the Postacoglu way. They didn't panic. They kept playing the kind of football he wanted them to play. And as you say, there's that clip doing the rounds, but there was also plenty of other examples of the players just using the ball in tight situations. Um, and for long periods, Barcelona were kind of out barcelona they, they They did a lot of their passing, similar stuff, um, created plenty of chances, and yes, Skippy, Skippy got his double. And do you know what? Both were f- like real finishes, goals. First one, a really nice kind of tucked away rebound shot. But the second, he had to slightly improvise. He kind of turned his head back slightly to get Perisic's cross. And I asked him afterwards, I was like, we kind of thought you were going to be a number six in this situation. I was like, you've just scored two goals against Barcelona. And he had the biggest grin on his face because regardless of it being a friendly for a, a player who is more naturally known for his defensive football to go there and score two lovely goals like that against Barcelona in their own, well, temporary backyard in front of, I'm not actually sure what the attendance was in the end. I don't know if uh, we ever got it on the night, but I'd say there was a fair, maybe 30,000, something like that. There, It was it was a fair crowd. Um, it is up the top of a big hill. <laughs> I could see a lot of Barcelona fans kind of dropping out on the way uh, through sweat and exhaustion just to get up to the stadium. Um, but yeah, um, it was there were so many positives to it, I felt. The way the Spurs went for it, the way they played. Uh, Basuma, as I kind of hinted at earlier, I thought was superb. Basuma looked like a Barcelona player playing against Barcelona. He looked so confident on the ball. If he doesn't start against Brentford, I'll be gutted. Um, I think there's a part of me that hopes that the plan was to play him in the Barcelona match so they had that first team figure in the hub, in the centre of the team. So it wasn't entirely a B team. But actually, talking about the whole B team aspect, how many times have we seen a Spurs B team over recent years go out and be horrendous and have no glue to keep them together they've collapsed at the, the kind of the quickest scent of uh difficulty whereas i know this was a friendly but watching those players going out there looked very i think that's maybe helped that a lot of pre-season that unit or the bulk of them have been the second half team so they've started to know each other's play um and there were so many little performances and i thought perisic again was very good like i say basuma skip davinson sanchez Davinson Sanchez, after that start, when he was a bit all over the place trying to deal with Rafinha after, to be fair, it was, he got in behind Regulon, didn't he? Regulon had a mare, an absolute mare, and then ended up with an injury, which had this really awkward situation where he essentially just stopped and allowed, uh, I can't remember who the winger was at that point, just run through in the final seconds. Um, But I thought Sanchez, after that moment, was terrific. He made so many last gasp challenges. And this is the irony, is that I know a lot of people have got on Sanchez's back and we had that truly awkward moment when he was getting booed at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when he touched the ball. 
But I actually think, Postacoglu football, Sanchez fits it better than Dyer. I do. I know you could argue that Dyer is maybe better because centre-backs occasionally will have to step into the midfield. And I think Dyer, yes, will be able to do that aspect. But in terms of pace and getting back, Sanchez showed time and time again that he's able to do that the other night. Um, look, I think we know Van der Ven and Romero are going to be the first choice starting centre-backs. I don't know whether this weekend Van der Ven will be, whether they'll throw him straight in or not, or whether we end up seeing, I don't know, Ben Davies there, which yeah, I like Ben Davies as a left-back, as a solid left-back. I'm not entirely sold on him in a two as a centre-back. I do think there's a bit of a height issue there, as we saw against Shakhtar. Um Personally, I would throw Van der Ven in, but that is a big shout for a guy that's just rocked up in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, it was it was such a positive kind of display in Barcelona. I wouldn't even really take much from the final 10-15 minutes. Um, Spurs were 2-1 up. Then they just got knackered. He tried to give all of them as much or as many of them as possible 90 minutes. Barcelona changed near their entire team and with very strong substitutions as well. And yeah, it was just kind of an end that was expected, I think, with the changes that were made. So again, I think a positive experience on the whole. Yeah, some really good standout displays. As you were saying, Davidson, Sanchez, some really good tackles. Uh, especially two in the second half. I think there was one, it was Gavi who was going through on the edge of the area and he managed to get back. And another one where there was a cross, what a ball came across the face of goal and he just managed to get a touch on Ferran Torres's shot to take it over. He was superb. And I think it was probably at times when you've seen him on the ball in the past and you're just a bit worried thinking what's going to happen here and he's just looked so calm and composed on the ball in Postacoglu system even when he's got opponents literally like a yard or two away yeah uh, and yeah I agree with you I think he's probably out outside of Romero and Van der Ven he's the defender at the club who's probably got all the attributes to play in this Postacoglu system but whether or not he remains at the club uh, I don't know uh, well, it could be a shop window display that couldn't it yeah, very much so. I think the one thing he needs is just regular football because he's just not managed to get that over the past couple of years. Uh, I thought La Celso was very good again. I think Barcelona and Xavi mm. will probably been looking on with envious eyes because they've been heavily linked with him. This summer, Skippy was very good. Uh, I mean, his second of, of the day. <laughs> Harry Kane would have been proud of that header. It was such and the run. a run. Yeah, yeah. Such a good header. Absolutely no chance for it to Stegen in goal. And then Basuma again. Uh, and he was speaking to Spurs play after the game and he says his three midfielders were outstanding. And mm. he's got such a tough decision when it comes to his midfield at the moment because I think everyone has probably made the case this summer. And the good thing is, he's still got Benson Kerr to come back as well. Absolutely. Well, just gives him such a headache. Uh, then even Perisic as well, more than making his case on the wing again. I actually did a piece the other day on Tottenham's attacking options now. Uh, whereas previously, you know, Antonio Conte had Steven Bergwijn, uh, Lucas Mora, Brian Hill, and they just really didn't do it off the bench when they were called upon. What we've seen so far in pre-season is even Perisic and Mana Solomon They've more than made the big impact, whether it's starting or coming 
off the bench. So there's a couple of good threats he can uh, bring on, you know, in the opening weeks who can make an impact. Uh, so there's a number of positives. Uh, as you were saying, Sergio Reguillon certainly didn't have his best game. I mean, you can take a look at all four goals and, you know, maybe he did have a big role to play in all four because the first one, Rafini just breezed past him with ease. Mm. Second one was long ball over the top. He just wasn't alert. And then third and fourth, uh, he was just beaten by his marker. It's a strange one with Reggian because he thought he had all the attributes to be a good left wing back and it never worked for him. And then when he initially came and played at left back, he was having a big impact upfield, but it's, it's his defensive play. What well, unfortunately is just going to let him down. But yeah, I think there's a number of positives for the manager to take from the game into the new season. And I think he's probably got a couple of decisions in terms of his uh, team for Brentford on what Sunday. What do you think about Porro? I think because this is only my sense that I got from pre-season. It felt like a fair few amount of the goals came from his position, and like players were getting in behind there, and and like that first goal, he's come so far over, and Levin. I mean, who leaves Lewandowski of all players to have that amount of space at that back post? Yeah. What do you I, think about Porro? Uh, I think in Ange's system, I'd probably use him on the right wing instead yeah. of a right back. Uh, yeah, good going forward, suspect defensively. I mean, we saw that last season in the, uh, the Newcastle game, the Liverpool one. And then a couple of times, as you were saying in pre-season, I think the West Ham, the Lion City Sailors won as well. And then for the first goal against uh, Barca, I don't think there was ever any need to come across that far and that just left Lewandowski in acres of space to score. So I think Emerson's the starter. For me, I don't think you can go Poro and Udogi as your fullbacks because I think that's just a recipe for disaster because then you've just got <laughs> two centre-backs, really, because those two will want to push upfield. So, yeah, it's Emerson's shirt. I think Poro would be better uh, as a right winger. But then there's so many options there on the wings now. So he's got yeah. to have to find a way of adjusting to playing as a right back and, you know, contributing defensively and making that side of his game sound. So in terms of the Tottenham team for Brentford, do you have 11 players in mind or is there a couple of positions where you're umming and ahhing? I thought you said, do you have 11 players? I was like, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we could put out more, we would. Um, I think... Yeah, I think it'll be pretty close to to what you said earlier, to be honest. I think you're looking at Vicario. I think you're looking at... If he doesn't go for Van... If he goes for Van de Ven, I think you still have to have one attacking fullback and one defensive one. So I would think you'd go Doggy and Emerson as the two wingback... Uh, sorry, oh, flashback to the past there. As the two fullbacks, not wingbacks. Um, I think, yeah, Doggy, Van der Ven, Romero, um, Emerson, but it is a big ask to throw Van der Ven in there. Um, I think the fans would go mad if he isn't, but I would also understand. I might, maybe I'll ask Ange that at the presser today. Is he ready to be thrown straight in there or not without, you know, only a couple of training sessions, really? 
Um, then midfield, I would go Bissouma, Madison, and <clears throat> I. Ooh, I could see him playing Hoybier as well at the moment. But if there's any sense that Hoybier is maybe hitting off, you'd imagine it will be uh, Saar. I mean, technically, Saar is probably better suited. It's a difficult one because Hoybier actually going forward last season had quite a big impact. So if you were to stick him in the number eight role, because um, Basuma seems to be very much a number six. He hasn't really rotated him, has he, and played him in the eight, the eight roles at all that I can think. Um yeah, I can imagine him for the experience element of it playing Hoybier. Hoybier has been such a kind of mixed bag in terms of taking on the Postacoglu way and that we saw that horrendous clearance up the pitch that led to Shakhtar's goal and Postacoglu going mad about that because it was needless. He wasn't even under that much pressure and you don't want him doing that in games. Otherwise, you're absolutely destroying what they're trying to do. But on the flip side, for a couple of the Sha- uh, goals against Shakhtar, you saw him pressing high up the pitch, intercepting, and essentially laying the foundations for the goal. So he does do a bit of both. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine maybe Postacoglu going for Hoybier, Basuma, and Madison. But, again, it maybe depends on what movement happens around him. And then up front, yeah, I think it has to be Son Richarlison and Kulisevsky at this moment in time. Um, Solomon's look bright. Nice little cameos. I'm still a little bit wary about the end product. Um, there's not a lot of it. Uh, although, obviously, Kane got the follow-up goal, didn't he? Um, oh, I can't believe that was Harry Kane's last performance in Spurs, likely. That's... Hey, if you're going to go out, go out with four four goals in front of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and then have a walk around and applaud all the fans, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just... Oh, there's so much on Richardson's shoulders. <laughs> there really is. I just keep going back to it. I know he's your man. I know he is. But my goodness, he's going to have to step up uh, big, big time and justify that £60 million. But yeah, that's probably... What I would say about that team we've just said as well is... There's a lot of players that can play the Postacoglu way, but there's also a lot of workers in there, and that's what you're going to need away at Brentford. So hopefully there's enough about that team to create some chances and score. But it's the, it's the putting the ball in the net that's going to be the key thing. It may be that it's an unusual, or not unusual, but a source that we haven't been used to. It may be that Madison breaks his duck, and he's the kind of where the goals come from um, because they've got to score them. Yep. I think you'll end the season with a Tottenham shirt with Richarlison 9 on the back, I reckon. <laughs> what, like you've got? No, no, I don't have one. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of the team, pretty similar to yours. I'd throw Van der Ven in. I'd just give him a go. I think Angela have full confidence in him because he knows the abilities. End of the day, he was brought to the club for a reason. So I... I would put Van der Ben in, but if not, it'd be Davis over Dyer and Sanchez. Uh, Even after Sanchez's masterclass in Barcelona? Yeah, I'd still go with Davis, just just in terms of the balance. Yeah. On, on the left. actually was playing on the left, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so. The midfield, Basuma, Madison, I'd go with Saar. Yeah, he, he could well. He loves Sar. There's every possibility, and if he does, it kind of it probably indicates to Hoybier as well that that it's that he is heading off. 
Yeah, I think Sal's been really, really good in pre-season. I think he's going to be a big, big player for Adam, so I'd give him a go. And then it'll be Richarlison with Kulisewski and Son either side of him. So, right, before we head off, uh, we'll do some of our season predictions uh, for Tottenham. I mean, we can discuss our Premier League ones as well. If you <laughs> no, want. The lines already changed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> right. Uh, in terms of Tottenham then, Ali, what yeah. are you predicting then this season? I am predicting... <laughs> I know I put it in... I put it in our Premier League predictions that I thought they were going to sneak fourth place. I think that that's me being very hopeful. I'd love that to happen. I'd say top six would be an improvement this season and I'd be happy with that. So I'm going to go tentatively top five with a domestic trophy. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll go for six. Spurs to finish six and they'll win the FA Cup. I know, obviously, Harry Kane's likely to join Bayern Munich in the next 24 hours or so, but amid all the doom and gloom at the moment, I think it can be a good season for Tottenham uh, with Ange's manager. Who would you go for top scorer then with no Kane? <laughs> You're going to go for Richarlison? Richarlison, was it? Is that what you said? Um, I will go for Sonny. I think Sonny will be back this season to somewhere near his best. Um, I think he'll get 20-plus this season. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for Son as well uh, for top scorer. He about steps up, doesn't he? Yeah. Responsibility, he's really good with. That's the other thing about giving the captaincy. Every time he's had to step up in the past, he has. And yeah. I think he will this season. Yeah, I'll go with Son as well. I think it'll have a much better season. I think having that surgery uh, back in May or June when they very had it, that should help his performances as he, he just didn't hit the uh, heights last season. So Son for me, but I think there'll be a greater share of goals. It'd be nice to see like Kulaseski hit double figures after just getting the two mm. uh, last season. I think Madison can hit double figures as well. So yeah, uh, Son... For me, who did you have in terms of your top four then in the Premier Ooh. League? It feels so long ago. So much has happened since we, we wrote those on Monday, didn't we? Um, top four, I think I had Man City, Liverpool. Again, this was me probably. I was writing these quickly. I had Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs as my top four. But I, obviously the Kane news, I think, does change it slightly. I, I think it becomes even more of a rebuild. This is, this is the other thing about Kane, isn't it? He elevates your team suddenly from one that is at a certain level to one that's a much higher level. So I think you take Kane out of that. And I think, yeah, I think you, you go for top six. But um, I'm going to still leave Spurs in there in that prediction, even though I've just said they're going to be fifth. Um, but just because everyone else is still a bit of a, a maybe. There's so many teams that we're not sure like how Cel uh, Celtic, how Chelsea are going to look with Pochettino. We're not sure, you know, exactly how Man U are going to gel um, with their team this season. Um, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes you take like, like for instance, Fred is leaving Man U. It could end up being someone like that actually ended up being quite an important player for them in moments. And, and there's, you never know what these kind of pieces mean when you take certain bits out of the puzzle. Um, who did you have your top four? Uh, City to win the league, Arsenal, United, and I put Villa. 
for fourth. Mm, I think Villa are going places under Unai Emery. And I know everyone will always have, you know, your big four to finish in the top four, but it never goes to plan, ever. Someone always has a bad season. I mean, last year, everyone would have had Chelsea and Liverpool nailed on for top four. Where did Chelsea finish? They bottom half. You uh, see, yeah, it was his name about twelve, maybe. Mm. I think Liverpool will be a lot better this season. I think yeah. Liverpool will have improved a lot, and obviously, we can see the big signings that are going in there as well. So that's again, that's what Spurs have got to match. Yeah, but to have Tot- been the selling club, you know. Yeah, if Tottenham finish fifth, though, uh, I think that equals the Champions League place next season because there's uh, it's increasing. But has that, been, has that been confirmed that it's coming from the league yet? I think we've I had this discussion a few times. We're not entirely sure about that. I think it's looking that way. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's been officially confirmed, but play it safe, top four, then you guarantee <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> right, let's leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Top Tottenham. There was plenty to talk about, and I'm sure there'll be even more to discuss next week when we reflect on the Brentford game and then also look ahead to the Manchester United fixture and hopefully a few more transfer deals as well to discuss. So as ever, thank you for listening and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.